0: Hi, I'm James McGuire, and on today's eSpeaks, we're talking about getting started with artificial intelligence, how companies can begin to deploy this emerging tech. We're also taking a look at some of the issues and challenges of AI. To discuss that, I'm joined by a, a major industry expert. With, with me is Venki Viraraghavan, Chief Product Officer of Data Rob, Robot. Uh, Venki, very good to have
1: with us today. I'm very excited to be here, thanks.
0: So of course, a lot of people know DataRobot. It's a very well-known company. For those who aren't quite as familiar, could you give
1: us the, the brief, you know, nutshell explanation? What does DataRobot do? So DataRobot is an end-to-end AI platform. It sort of runs on all the clouds and on-prem, uh, and we help customers sort of build, govern, and operate uh, their AI uh, solutions. So basically for generative and predictive AI applications, we provide a full end-to-end uh, set of tools to help uh, help them with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a demand for that in the year 2023 no, no doubt about it that's right
0: <laughs> all right so the, the topic of course is artificial intelligence so much interest in it in this year obviously the thing I sense though among executives is, is there's a certain amount of ambivalence about companies as they adopt AI <laughs> certainly there's the enthusiasm enormous you know excitement a lot of dollars flowing into the sector on the other hand there's a there's a sense that there's a concern for the risks. And the expense, you know, compliance, security, data protection. Your your sense of this conflict. What, what do you see going on?
1: You know, I think sort of broadly, the you know everyone is doing AI. I think they have to do AI. Uh, I think the big issue is to do they have confidence in the solution. Does it work? Does it provide value? And unlike you know the last generation of sort of code and sort of the software ate everything uh, that was deterministic. Uh, ML and is sort of deterministic or stochastic. That means they're sort of concerned about like there's randomness in the output and whether it is sort of whether it's probabilistic sort of outputs from a sort of churn model or, you know, in the case of Gen AI, sort of what will the bot say, right? Will it, will it be our toxic output? So people are nervous about that. And so being able to sort of uh, build your business process and your entire company around how to take advantage of the power of AI um needs means you need to sort of understand sort of how to sort of control the uh the confidence issue uh and so that is really I think the the thing that is sort of holding people back um and 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 the industry is sort of building uh tools and solutions to help with that
0: well on that very topic it seems like one of the issues is is the idea of the large language model it seems like right underneath the headlines of, of the AI excitement is well wh- what is our LLM and where are we getting it from are we buying it off the shelf are we renting it is it proprietary to us and that may also play a role in whether to, what our what our chatbot ultimately says, or what our, what you know what prompter our, our application finally kicks out. What what is your sense of how companies are dealing with the LLM issue? Are they are they needing to build their own? Can they buy it off the shelf? What 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 advice do you yeah. give people yeah, about LLMs? Um, I
1: would say you know the best way to think about LLMs is sort of a new level of platform. Uh, just like how we had sort of had I you know, went from on from the cloud where someone else was sort of providing you the machines, you know, people have made that transition, you should think about this, uh, as sort of the same thing, which is like these enormous models that are being built and trained on huge amounts of data uh, that are being sort of being treated as platforms. So basically you consider that sort of as the core, and then you use your data on top of that to actually make it sort of applicable to you. Now there are multiple approaches, obviously, just like there's, a, there's no one single cloud approach. There's hybrid cloud. There's all kinds of other uh, approaches. There's a similar thing with AI, with these large language models. There's clearly the big providers, that people like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, uh, and then there's open source. And then there's sort of the, the proprietary sort of uh sort of the second one is the entropical here, et cetera. And so the, I think we are sort of spoiled for choice right now, almost too many choices. And so the key thing is to figure out what really works for you in your use case. They all are trained with different data, with different mechanisms. And so that's sort of a, an important sort of thing, which is like, the, it is important to sort of understand broadly what, what the um, models can do and how they're useful to your specific problem. Now, I think in, more specifically, I'd say, generally, I would say start with the larger models. They're often commercial. Uh, to understand, discover where the use case is and what the value can provide because they're general purpose, so they're quite forgiving in sort of the answers, uh, and they have a lot more knowledge. And you, once you understand sort of where uh, sort of a, a use case where the generative AI can actually provide value, then you can start optimizing. You can start saying, "Hey, look, is there an equivalent smaller model that they can that can buy that can do it? You know, should I instead of running it, you know, making a call to a, an API provider, can I use uh, something that I run in-house, uh, in house, you know, in my own VPC?" Uh, and then you can even do further fine tuning and say like, look, I want to do fine tune and build my own model. The thing I would say that I have not seen yet is this need to start to build a model from scratch. Pre training from scratch is extraordinarily expensive, um, heavy on sort of both compute, data, and uh, skill. Uh, and mm-hmm. most companies don't have that. And so I'd say uh, you only pre train if you have uh, pre train if you have to, and most people don't need to do that. It's a little bit of a long answer, but I think it's it is a process you go through.
0: No, i think it's a really good answer I, i'm thinking i so the one the one key point there i'm hearing and i i want to make sure i understand should should almost every c- company think about doing some um some customization of the model or will so some, some companies not really not need hardly any customization of their large language
1: model i think it totally depends on the use case um you know i think there's a, a sort of there are some places where it's just summarizing english text uh and so that the or english or any language text uh that these models can do quite well If you're doing a very highly technical subject with lots of proprietary data, imagine you're saying, look, I'm trying to help a customer walk through, um, you know, provide customer support. On Boeing's engines and how to sort of help, sort of look at their manual, it kind of needs the manual data, and that is not propi- that is sort of may not be available on the internet. So I think like it, I think it depends really on it, and the best way to do that is to evaluate the answer. Like you know, if the model is not providing great answers in general, it needs more grounding data. It needs it might need more pre-training, uh, and so the idea is that you sort of work yourself from the general purpose to the specific uh, by looking at sort of the, the evaluation metrics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense.
0: Well, all right. I think that the big question that I think you could probably give a four four hour answer to this question, but I'll I'll ask it anyways. For the for the nutshell answer is I'll try to be quiet and fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, so say there's a company out there, and certainly there are dozens, if not hundreds, of companies out there, and they're they're relatively new to AI. They want to get started. They they know the, the the train is leaving the station. What what advice would you give to these companies that are still relatively new AI adopters? You know, make sure you think about this, or or here's here's some good tips about growing your AI deployment
1: yeah you know uh, to to say it very simply uh you know I, I paraphrase nike which says just do it which means just get in like you know i think i see customers are and prospects i, I talk to a lot of them uh, and. They're sort of doing a lot of learning they're like understanding it they're looking at a lot of the risks and everything else and so i would say that is all good but the best way to do it is to start getting your hands dirty and so using a platform like the robot that's available sort of like with all the access to all the different um models so you can sort of literally just build your own sort of uh, you know bot that says like i'm going to chat with my manuals right i'm going to ask uh, or i'm going to look at my customer support tickets and so the idea is that get it started and then, then by doing, you learn a lot more. I think one thing we've realized is that this is such a disruptive technology that, you know, it's, a, it, it's such a what technology? I'm sorry, that's a disruptive technology. And yeah, it's, right, okay. And we all yes. sort of got, got to know it exactly one year ago. I think yesterday was ChatGPT's one year birthday. So right, right. Uh, And so I think we're just all learning by doing what its capabilities are. So I, you know, the, the I would suggest every company sort of get in, get a you know, use a tool like DataRobot, uh, build something out. And then say like, hey, look, it doesn't quite work the way I want. Or like, it's not really as exciting as I thought it would be, why not? And then you can start like, you know, exploring the different things you could say, look, am I building a, should I build a rag pattern? Should I, you know, rags the retrieval augmented generation pattern. Should I put more data in it? Should I put different data? Should I change my prompting strategy? Should I pre-train my model? Or should I sort of uh, uh, fine tune my model? These are all great questions, but you get those questions by actually trying out some concrete use case. So come up with another use case, uh, get started. And then uh, and then sort of learn and iteratively sort of develop the idea and you know we've learned a lot from our customers doing exactly that
0: mm-hmm. you know that makes perfect sense I, I i think there's probably some executive out there and i've, I've heard analysts say the same thing They would say well oh no you need to you know before you rush in you need to carefully plan your strategy and i i can also hear some executive you know in response to your answer they might say well it's it's so expensive we we can't afford to dip our toe in the, in the in the water and just and just start to build because what if it's just an exp- expensive science experiment are you saying that that early building that they might learn from is just sort of the cost of doing business or what is your sense of that
1: no you know i think some amount of uh some amount of expense you have to have because it's a new technology it's, you haven't done it before so therefore it's net new uh but i think i don't think it has to be extraordinarily expensive to actually try out and learn so I, you know I, I would say like discovering the value of sort of gen- you how to use generative ai uh does not have to be very expensive. Now, deploying it at scale can be expensive. And so what you wanna do is to figure out like, hey, look, if I'm using a very expensive model and a slow model uh, on a use case that, you know, requires billions of rows, then you're gonna be like, look, this is gonna be very expensive. This solution won't work as designed. What are my alternatives? So the idea is that, you know, you just don't get, we don't get stuck saying it could be expensive. You say like, how is it expensive? What are my choices for make it cheaper, right? And so so I, so that I think that it says in the specifics that actually uh, you get the, uh, you start moving you know to your point about strategy you should have a broad strategy that says look you know i want to get into it i have a bunch of use cases i have something in marketing i have something in customer care uh, you know pick sort of whatever is interesting to you but then actually start experimenting and then you can say like and have gates saying like look we won't go to production until we better understand our security principles like if i'm going to send pii out it may not be aligned with our policies but the idea is that the experimentation is when you sort of understand what uh, what needs to be done and what have you have to be careful for. So it goes from a high level strategy to more of a implementation and sort of planning process, uh, and sort of making that sort of taking down at one one level of detail.
0: Okay. Well, let's let's drill down in, into DataRobot and and what exactly it does. You spoke up front. You gave a broad view, but what how how really is is data robot addressing the AI needs of its clients? I mean, it's it's such a, a mixed broad market. This I mean, I think even I think a lot of companies are are not even sure how to shop because they're not sure what all the various companies do. So talk a bit, if you would, about Dating Robot, how how is it addressing the AI
1: needs of its clients? So I'd say, you know, three ways. So one is first, we help customers build their solution. And so, and, you know, for building that solution, as I mentioned, there's a lot of experimentation. You know, there, there is so many different kinds of models, there are vector databases, there are prompting strategies, how do you put all that together to actually find something that is useful to your use case so we provide a full platform that allows you to do that out of the box you have access to uh you know azure open ai service the google palm service the newly announced amazon bedrock services you also have access to other open source models so you can uh, register your own so ideas first you have access to that you can uh, you can sort of uh, create your prompting strategy, uh, you can build your own vector database, uh, pull it all together, and then you can actually chat with all three of them at the same time. And you can sort of see how, uh, you know, how they work with each other. So you can say like, and you can really start getting a sense of what, what you know, what model works for what. And so that way you are, first you have confidence that you have a solution that works. So that's the first part. Second thing is you want to sort of make sure that you can govern all these things. So there are now lots of people who are working on the same problem. We have software developers who are building the application. You have, you know, product owners or program managers, uh, project, uh, product managers who are sort of figuring out the voice of the bot, the voice of the Red Bull bot probably is different than the voice of the IKEA bot. That is not right. a development thing, it's a sort of a product owner thing. And so right. they have to figure out how to get the right thing. And then you have the data scientists who are like building the evaluation metrics. So you wanna govern all these personas talking to each other and transitioning the state. So you wanna make sure there's a great way to do that and DataRobot provides a registry and a full experience for managing that. And finally, you wanna operate this at scale. So when you wanna sort of deploy this model, you have to understand like, hey, look, where is it de- being deployed? Is it being deployed inside your cloud environment next to your application? Do you want to run it on a on a, a hyperscaler? Um, and then once it's running, how do you make sure you're learning from from production, right? You're how you know you're understanding what the inputs are, what questions are coming in, what are the outputs? How are you measuring the the value of uh, sort of the measuring sort of the outputs and making sure that you can intervene? So if there's highly toxic content or more, con- most of the models are getting quite good at sort of toxicity uh, out of the box, but you know the 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 bot is talking about something outside of the topic you want to do. You're like, you are you know, you're saying to talk to the manual, but it's talking about music. That's not what they want. And so, so how do you sort of, how do you want to intervene and make sure it stays, on, stay, stays in its lane? So we provide a structure really for building the solution for governing all the different artifacts and solution and then running and operating that at scale. That's great. And obviously, of course, there's a huge demand for that. I, I think the really interesting
0: question that some people are, are, are grappling with is, Going ahead what, what's going to happen with the hyperscalers, of course, offer some of these services and you, you mentioned some of the hyperscalers offerings in there, uh, and then there's standalone companies like data robot. Um, are they not in opposition to each other, the standalone versus the hyperscalers or are because it was interesting you really mentioned about working with them, so how does, how does that play out will, will the hyperscalers own the future of Ai in terms of being a vendor or, or not necessarily.
1: Um, you know, I think like, like with every single sort of platform application, was, You know, I, I worked at Microsoft for a long time. There was the office and windows thing, like, you know, and so we said, you know, is it, are there are other things other than office? Yes, there are. And so I think we we will live in a world of co- competition. We sort of, you know, we will build sort of, uh, sort of, uh, capabilities in the same space, but the focus really is different. Hyperscalers are really focused on scale and infrastructure and sort of making that easy to use. Uh, I used to work for one uh, and I delivered sort of a lot of the sort of the work there. Uh, and so I know sort of what we optimize for. And while DataRobot is sort of, you know, structurally able to sort of look at, hey, look, we're taking all of that hyperscaler stuff for granted, we actually build on top of them. So we do build on top of the work that Vertex does or Azure ML does or Azure AI does or, um, um, or Google Vertex does. And so the idea is that, you know, and SageMaker, so the idea is that we build on top of that and and on the data platforms, and we add additional value that really helps it really make it very simple for customers to sort of do the last mile, which is like, where is the value in the solution? So instead of, you know, once the hyperscalers have abstracted a lot of this hard work, we say, look, let's build the UI, and let's build the SDKs and APIs that make it really, really easy to validate, is the solution giving you value? And how do you sort of run this at scale? That's one. The second one is, you know, we are an independent... Software vendor, so ISV, and that allows us to be cloud neutral. Now, not every customer does not have a single cloud to work on, uh, and even if they were to start a single cloud, they might make an acquisition uh, or might get bought. Suddenly, they're back in a multi-cloud environment. We provide a single way to sort of have a cross-cloud version of how to sort of uh, work with all of your um, uh, sort of with all of your solutions. So, some application might be on one cloud. Some might be the the cloud, and finally, we are we run um on on prem, so in a in a hybrid environment, and that most clouds cannot sort of reasonably say. So I think we have a a space. We in fact we are very closely partnered with all three clouds. Uh, we've just announced a bunch of partnerships with all of them, uh, and we actually work closely with them in on the product integration as well. So we think it's a you know we think it's a uh, thing that we both learn from each other, and it's a it's a healthy place to uh, to be.
0: That's great. All right. So it's not it's not an either or in the future. It's it's gonna be a cooperative or a competition competition uh, sort of scenario. It makes perfect sense. Okay. And that's if you look at the history of IT, that's that's really the history of IT. It's always the okay. way things have worked. Uh, all right, the the future then. Benki, here's the, here's the big question. The future of AI and the enterprise, billions of dollars rests on the answer to this question. Cause I, I think companies wanna know where is it going? What's it gonna look like? It's like you know, 2026, 2027, and how can I get ahead of it now? uh what is your sense when you look into your crystal ball Vanky? What, what do you see for the, the history of uh, the, the future of ai in the enterprise
1: you know i yeah i definitely think uh there's going to be a lot more i think there's a lot of uncertainty there's a lot of questions but this is such uh technology so much promise that i think we will definitely see a completely different worldview of sort of how ai is used and how sort of AI is just accepted uh you know i'd say i worked through the sort of on-prem to the cloud transition and you know at that time it was like unclear whether you know it's a big deal you know Ten years in, I think I started this in 20, 2012, uh, 10, 12 years in, uh, it's kind of the default. Uh, and right. of course, there are people are you know on prem, but like it's the, the idea is that you know the cloud is sort of the default start, starting place for this. So I, I think that I think we'll be in a very different place. So I think the large arc, as I mentioned earlier, is definitely huge amounts of AI in the enterprise. Now the question is, how do you get there? And I feel like it's like a river getting to the sea. <laughs> it, it'll meander, and there'll be you know obstacles, and you have to sort of work around the hills and whatever else it is, and the rocks. <laughs> so I think that I think will definitely happen. And so the way I think about this is the way you get ready for that is to have a platform or a tool set that allows you to sort of ac- accommodate for those things. Like, you know, the, 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 the technology will change, you know, I would say, you know, the events of the last few days from with open AI, like it is so far, like one of the, one of the best uh, models there is, but, you know, we were concerned about it's, you know, whether the company's going to exist. Uh, and so, so, so even such a powerful and great company uh, suddenly, you know, if you have a one, one, uh, a single sort of provider, you have issues. And so, sort of, you having optionality and changes, not just for technological change in the sense of like which model is better, but also like you know which vendor is viable. And some will come and some will go. And so, having a platform that is open and has optionality for sort of solving for those things is super important. And then making sure that you know you actually can measure the value, you can measure the cost, so you're not. Uh, to sort of, you know, I had one customer who just said, look, I have 50 VMs in Amazon just running different generative AI things. I have no idea who they are, but I'm getting this huge bill. Okay. That is not sustainable in the long run. And then that is what causes people to sort of say, hey, look, I want to turn the thing off because I can't make out the value. So having a, uh, you know, a platform that allows you to observe maybe even sort of behind the scenes passively sort of where people are being used and asking for business value versus cost. You can have these great conversations for ROI. You know, I think I would say we are, I think as we all know, we are deep in the hype cycle. And so there is a lot more investment and in sort of innovation trying to find out. But over time, reality will set in saying like, look, I'm spending the money, am I getting the value? And so you really want to sort of focus on what are the use cases, what is the value? What is the measurable value that I can get? And you need to sort of have a platform that'll help you do that. And that's kind of, I think, the way you sort of get from here to there, which is the path is unclear because we like, so as I said, we're finding a way to the sea, but the the, the core constructs are all there, we, we know the details, we know the, what will happen, the specifics may be different.
0: Yeah, I like your metaphor of the of the of the sea finding its way to the, the, the ocean, the, the river finds its way to the sea, I think it's really pretty accurate, it'll be under it and it'll hit some obstacles. I, I, I sense that one of those obstacles is sometimes I'm not sure if everyone in the C-suite really understands the technology and that artificial intelligence is not like other technologies and that it can learn by itself, I mean cloud computing was a big step forward and we've had a number you know even mobile was a huge revolution in many ways but it feels like AI is almost bigger than all of them and it's a complicated technology We you know neural networks and deep learning and what it all means and you know large language models. I don't know if if, if, if you know the, the, the water flows to the sea if sometimes the, the, all the all the executives fully understand what's going on yet maybe they don't need to but you you sense that
1: the, the people in charge are, are really understand the technology? And um, you know, I think I don't think everyone understands technology. I think it's moving really fast. That doesn't mean uh, you know, even cloud or any mobile, there's so many complex things lower and lower. I think the question is how do we simplify it and make it into you know, into a set of things, you know, questions that the execs can answer at that level. And so you really want to make sure that, you know, the at the higher level, the strategic level, you have to figure out look, should we invest? How much should we invest? What is the value of this thing? What am I? You know, how do I protect myself um, and how do I make sure that the company I don't put the company at risk those are questions at the c-suite level and I think absolutely people should learn enough to understand those things I think all the vendors us included you know are working very hard to sort of do the education that happens uh, in every one of these sort of disruptions um, but it, I don't think everyone has to understand how a, you know uh, a KNN search works or a deep learning uh, thing works you know I'd say, look, I'm in, I've been in this industry for a long time. I don't know all the details. I don't read every single paper. And so I think that level of abstraction, I think, is okay. Uh, but I think that uh, sort of being able to clearly sort of abstract what are the questions that only the executives can answer and sort of bringing, teeing those questions up and saying, like, look, how can I ask those questions? And then second, what are my options, right? You know, you know again, to, with respect to privacy, like I'm running on the cloud from one of these providers. So if I send the same data to another part of the cloud, is that a good thing or a bad thing? right depending on your policies it could be a good thing or a bad thing but like it's not like you're not trusting the cloud provider with your data it's just that you know how what, what is the what how the what the terms of service for what the uh, model is going to be used for those are the questions so, so you do need to be fluent a little bit in sort of those details but it doesn't mean you have to understand every single underlying detail we we don't understand all the details about phones or the, the cloud for, for for that matter right right excellent Becky,
0: I think you said it. Uh, It's going to be a very fascinating sector to follow in the years ahead. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your expertise today. And uh, please come back and talk with us again sometime. Awesome. Thank you, James. I'd love to do that again. Thanks, Thanks again.